BAM Radio Network. This notion that, you know, putting fear into a student of pain and harm will make them behave better has minimal efficacy. Why does that keep happening? I just feel like people haven't had enough experience trying the alternative. Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. I'm Anthony Rabora. I'm happy to be joined today by Jeffrey Benson. He's the author of many books, including Improve Every Lesson Plan with SEL, which was published this year by ASCD. He also recently wrote a very compelling article for educational leadership on prevention interviews as constructively managing student discipline issues. I wanted to talk to him more about that. It's been a very popular article. So welcome, Jeffrey. Great to have you here. Let's start with the basics. What is a prevention interview? So it's a time that teachers can spend usually one-on-one sitting with a student to learn a little more about how the student operates, to ask questions about what the student likes about school and struggles with in school, to find out how I as a teacher can better intersect with the student's needs. And from all of that, to have the opportunity to make a plan to help a student avoid a difficult situation or a conflict or a misbehavior that has happened or where predicted can happen. Usually this happens after a particular incident where you get a chance to sit with the student, not just debrief what happened, but find out more about who this kid is. And from that, gain trust and an opportunity to collaborate. So at the end of the interview, you can say, from what I'm hearing, It sounds like the next time a situation comes up like this, if I did this and you did that, we might have avoided this. Let's practice that. So the the goal of it is to have a better relationship, to not see an incident with a student as requiring what's traditional discipline, but much more as an opportunity to collaborate. Something happened, let's figure out how to avoid it the next time. Right. So yeah, as, as you said, it's usually done with a student who is struggling behaviorally or has acted out in some way. So the, the concept is very powerful and it seems relatively straightforward. Why isn't it used more often as an approach? When I work in schools and I bring up how we can do this, everyone says, well, that makes sense. We have, and I, I, I can only speak, you know, I work in schools, but I have lived in this world. We have this sort of Western discipline. You can punish someone into better behavior ethos. And we also have a tremendous amount of evidence that that doesn't work, that punishment creates barriers between people. And you don't learn new um, skills just by being punished. This notion that, you know, putting fear into a student of pain and harm will make them behave better has minimal efficacy. But why does that keep happening? I just feel like people haven't had enough experience trying the alternative, because once we do try the alternative, it's so much better. I, 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 I know the history in schools enough to know that this is not a common practice, but I struggle with why it's not more easily embraced, but traditions and culture are hard to change. So one thing you mentioned in the article is that many educators have approached you and said they wish they had more time for this type of thing. So how could schools address that problem, create time or encourage teachers to engage in this kind of interview with students? Well, we are actually putting the time in already in the discipline with students. We spend time with students before school, after school, lunch times, during their study halls, when we can grab them to sit with them and tell them everything they've done wrong and then, you know, um, give them a detention or something like that. So the time is being used. It's just being used in a punitive fashion. You can use that time to have a good conversation with a student as well. Once in a school, people begin to support each other in doing this. It's possible, for instance, on a middle school team to ask someone on the team to cover your class 
for five minutes, you can sit with the student and have this conversation. Or to have a school administrator come in and cover the class for a few minutes so that you can have this conversation. Because in the end, it's going to prevent future behavior way more than our efforts at punishing kids prevents future misbehavior. So this is interesting. The first sentence of your article is schools are not very good institutions of listening. And you go so far as to say in the piece that prevention interviews or better listening in general can be a tool to address the institutional and interpersonal impact of racism. So that's a pretty big statement. Can you explain what you mean there? Yeah, and uh, thanks for bringing that up. I come from a particular culture and a particular set of values and a particular way of believing how students should enter a classroom, how students should um, speak to adults, and with many implicit beliefs about the norms for how to express oneself. And so, and it's so easy being a member of the dominant culture for me to just say, not only does everyone know how to do that, but everyone should be doing that. And there's some problem if someone isn't doing that. The truth is that a lot of students have a different set of tools for managing the world. They have different strengths that schools aren't often um, leveraging. I'm learning so much when I sit with students about how they see their role, about their sense of whether they can ask for what they need, about their relationship to people in authority, and especially if we're crossing um, the boundaries of race, gender, age, there's so many barriers there. And to begin to poke holes through some of those barriers is fascinating for me as an adult and ultimately allows me to make connections with kids to helpfully prevent future conflicts with each other. So for a teacher who's thinking about planning one of these interviews, in terms of framing what to say or what questions to ask, what goals should they have in mind? Ultimately, the goal is to have a better relationship with the students. I want to start. That's the baseline because that's the foundation from which you can work with the students on learning some new behaviors um, and helping the student reach those behaviors. So with that as the goal, the first thing is to just make what we, you know, call a safe and brave space. Make sure the student knows that what you're saying is going to be held in confidence, unless of course it needs to be shared because of some significant issues that the goal is to work on helping the student not get in trouble again, and that you're there as a support for the person. And then depending on the age of the student, how much you've worked with the student before, there's a long list and it's in the article of questions. And sometimes I like to start with, have you ever really liked school? When have you liked school? Tell me about a teacher you've really liked working with. Um, Are there things I do as a teacher that you really like, that you wish I would do more of? Do you like to read? What do you like to do outside of school? And in all that, I am searching constantly for what is the thing that this kid needs from me in order to be able to listen and try a new behavior and try a new intervention with me. So at the end of the questions, my last questions are always, is there anything else you want to tell me? And let me summarize. Do I understand you right? And after that, it's like, okay, I think I know an idea of what we can do together. Let's try it together. I see. So are there questions or topics you would advise a teacher to avoid? I I don't ever want to talk to them about um, their relationship with their parents or what their parents do. Anything that feels intrusive into their home life, I want to um, support the student in having that boundary. I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to be asking them about their trauma histories. I'm really, my questions are really about how does this kid's brain work? How do you think? How do you engage with the world? And we have lots in school to think about that. Um, 
but certainly I'm not going to um, be probing for sort of the origins of the students' sort of emotional difficulties. That's not my job. I got plenty uh, within the boundaries of being a teacher. I got a lot of good stuff I can do with the student. So for those who may be skeptical, can you specify what sort of results you've seen from these interviews? I mean, have you wow. seen students' behaviors really change as a result of this? Yes, 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 and yes. Um, okay. And not only that, because now we have, you know, when you punish a student, you have nothing to reference other than this yes, no, did they do this behavior again? And what we know from the number of kids who end up back in detention again, who end up getting suspended multiple times. And as we say, when dropping out, dropping out is a process, not an event. It's a process that's the result of years of alienation. So what we've seen from these interviews is that the next time there is a misbehavior, we have a different way to approach it. We actually can see gradual steps of change. I can say to the student, you know, I know it's the difference between this time and last time is you were able to wait longer on that, or you sought something out, or you tried something different. So we're having ongoing dialogue because just like in trying to teach somebody how to add fractions with different denominators, it's a process over time that we show the student how they're making progress. The prevention interviews not only help us create new behaviors, but they give us a language to talk to the student about their efforts and their progress. And yes, endlessly have seen progress along that continuum. I'm not saying you have one interview and the kid magically changes because people don't change, they grow. And this is a medium through which kids can grow. That's wonderful. Thank you Jeff, to Jeffrey Branson for sharing his ideas and insights. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. To read Jeffrey's article in Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.org el. And don't forget his latest book, Improve Every Lesson Plan with SEL, uh, which is also available on the ASCD website. You've been listening to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.